0: Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message.
1: Turn in your Bible to the book of, uh, what's a good book? Romans, turn to the book of Romans. What's a good chapter? Chapter 9, very good. Romans chapter 9. I was going to title this sermon, When God Saves the Saved. That's a good title of a sermon. When God saves the saved. And I'm not talking about you. I'm not even talking about y'all. I'm talking about something else. And uh, I think the title might still fit. But look there in the book of Romans in chapter 9. Excuse me, chapter 10. That was the first mistake I ever made. Romans chapter 10. And look in verse 1. He says, brethren... My heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness, and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Now get this verse, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to every one that believeth. So his desire, Paul's desire, was that the nation of Israel, his people, would be saved. And he's talking about how that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. You know, we have a world full of people just like that today in all the religions of the world. People that are trying to establish their own righteousness, And they have rejected the righteousness that God sent down. And they want God to accept the righteousness they send up. And it won't work that way. But God made a promise. So I want you to look there in verse 25 of chapter 11. This is what he said in verse 25. He says, For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceit, that blindness in part has happened to Israel. Until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. So God says, yes, they're blind. Israel is blind. And you and I, we look at the world situation today and we wonder, what is it that's protecting that little nation of Israel? And you say, well, it's because of America. No, it's mainly because of God. God can use America, but God can also protect Israel without America. God can do whatever God wants to do. And God says that in the last days, all the nations of the earth are going to turn against Israel. You said, No. Yes, the Bible says so. And because the Bible said it, I believe it. But now, I want you to see this. Look there in verse 26 of chapter 11 of the book of Romans. And so all Israel shall be saved. As it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. And this is my covenant unto them, when I shall take away their sins. Now, I believe there's a double reference here. One, when Christ came the first time and made the payment on the cross for the sins of the whole world. And then during the tribulation period upon the earth, which is right ahead of us, God is going to allow the nations of the earth become so bad, so wicked. They're going to try to annihilate the Jewish people. And unless God intervenes, there won't be anybody left. But God will intervene. And God is going to save nationally the Jews that are saved individually. Because they're going to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Deliverer out of Zion is coming. And He's going to come in power and great glory. And every eye will see Him. And He's going to do a work that most people won't believe. But it's going to take place. Now take your Bible and turn all the way over there to the book of Ezekiel. The book of Ezekiel. Chapter 37. Ezekiel chapter 37. And I want to show you something here very quickly. But it's good to get this uh, foundation here because it's a promise. And it deals with a covenant that God made to the nation of Israel. And look there in verse 22. Ezekiel chapter 36. In verse 22 says, therefore say unto the house of Israel, thus saith the Lord God, I do not this for your sake, O house of Israel, but for my holy name's sake, which ye have profaned among the heathen, whither ye went. In other words, the Jews were scattered upon the face of the earth. And they were also scattered again after Christ came the first time. And they did not do what God wanted them to do. God wanted them to be a light to the Gentiles, to show people the true and living God. And as a nation, they failed in their responsibility. So God has chastened them and scattered them up upon the earth. But God says, now in the end time, in the last days, I'm going to bring the children of Israel back to the land. You and I are fortunate enough to live at a time when Israel is back in the land, but they're back in the land in unbelief. And there is still a great judgment going to take place upon the land of Israel, but it will be also upon the whole world. And he makes the statement, and I will sanctify my great name, which was profaned among the heathen, that's the Gentiles, which ye have profaned in the midst of them, and the heathen shall know that I am the Lord, saith the Lord God, when I shall be sanctified in you before their eyes. So God says, I wanted you to be a light to the world, and you blew it. So I am going to chasten the whole world and you, and bring the world against you in order to chasten you, And then I will have to deliver you. And when I deliver you and I am sanctified in your eyes, then the world will know. So God has a plan. And in the midst of all the chaos that's going on in the world, can you believe that God is working out all things after the counsel of his own will to perform what he wants done in this world? God is, I know it's hard to believe, he's still on the throne He knows exactly what's going on. He even wrote it in a book and said how it's going to take place. I think it's awesome myself. And then he says here, I will, I will, I will. And I mentioned to you this before. See there in verse 25, I will sprinkle clean water upon you. Well, the verse before it, I will take you from among the heathen. In verse 26, and a new heart will I give unto you, and a new spirit will I put within you, and I will... All this is about what I will, I will, I will. God says, I am making a covenant with you. This is what I'm going to do. And this deals with a new birth. When a person accepts Jesus Christ as their Savior, I was cleansed of all of my sins. I have been made pure and holy. I have been given the free gift of eternal life. I am a child of God. God is my Father. All of that because of what He did on the cross for me. Well, God says there's a time coming. When my people are going to believe on me, they're going to believe it. And I'm going to save, deliver from extinction my people, those that are saved. And they are going to become that little mustard seed that's going to fill the kingdom. And God says, one day Israel will be the greatest nation in the world. Now, that's hard for us to believe. One of the smallest nations will be the greatest nation. God told us what he's going to do. Now, I want you to look there in verse 31. Then shall you remember your own evil ways, your own doings that were not good, and loathe yourself in your own sight for your iniquity and for your abomination. God said, now I'm going to, I, 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 I. And by the time he gets through with what he's doing, then you will see, 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 see what you're doing. So God said, I'm going to do something, but you're also going to see what you've been doing. You know, sometimes God may have to work in your life, and God says, I'm going to beat the tar out of you until you see what you're doing with your life. Did you know many times in our life is when the hard things hit that cause us to examine what's going on? Now, I wonder what I did wrong this time. God says, oh, you did something. Keep looking. And you'd be surprised what God has to do. And sometimes we have to take a tube before and just hit you over the head with it. And then we begin to, to look. And God says, now, This is also part of my promise that when I get through dealing with you, which is right ahead of us, God says, look there in verse 35. And they shall say, this land that was desolate is become like the Garden of Eden. Now, I've never seen the Garden of Eden, but I'm kind of looking forward to it. I have been to Israel a number of times. I have been blessed enough to stand and look at the nation of Israel on the the west side of Jordan, and look on the east side of the Jordan, of the Jordan River, and, and look there, and lo and behold, it's like a desert. It's like life and death. And you can see it visibly with your eyes, what they have been able to do with this land. But remember this, their land is not over with yet. They're supposed to have from the Nile River... In Egypt, all the way over to the Tigris and the Euphrates. All that's going to belong to Israel. Most of that's all desert, but it's going to blossom like the rose. And God says that whole place is going to look like the Garden of Eden. Many believe people believe that was a cradle of civilization anyway. You know, the Mesopotamian Valley. But God said, I'm going to do a work. And this is what I'm going to do. And look in verse 37. And thus saith the Lord God. I will yet for this be inquired of by the house of Israel to do it for them. I will increase them with men like a flock. God made a promise. But until then, see, there's there's this problem. Israel is like a dead man. Israel is not spiritually minded. Israel is not seeking their Messiah. They're not seeking God. A lot of people in Israel, even uh, in the Knesset, that rule in Israel, uh, they're totally liberal and have no confidence in the Bible and don't believe any of the promises of God. They're just kind of like fighting for their life using the wisdom of man. Secular. Humanistic. But God says, the day is coming, and I'm going to do a work. But right now, they're like a, a valley of dry bones. So in the 37th chapter of the book of Ezekiel, uh, there's a story here about the the bones. It represents the nation of Israel that has been taken out of the land and that have been scattered over the world and they're dead. They're not spiritually alive. You see, that's the way God saw you before you trusted Christ as your Savior. You were like a dead man. There was no spiritual life there. And then, lo and behold, God does a wonderful work. He allows you to hear the the gospel. And you heard the gospel, the good news of how Christ died on the cross, paid for your sins, and you accepted him as your Savior, and God saved you and gave you life. Now you are a spiritual individual that can talk to the Lord because God is a spirit and must be worshipped in spirit and in truth. So God has done a wonderful work in our life, but he's going to do it to the nation of Israel. But until then, this is the valley of dry bones. See, in chapter 37, he says in verse 3, And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. Again he said unto me, Prophesy unto these bones, and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. And that's what you and I have to do. That's why he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me, hath everlasting life so he says there in uh, verse 5 thus saith the Lord God unto these bones behold I will cause breath to enter into you and you ought to underline these three words ye shall live this is a promise from God you see in chapter 36 how is God going to do all of this with dead bones with people scattered all over the world With people with no spiritual life. With people who don't know God and don't love God and don't want God. But God says, I'm going to take and get your attention. I'm going to have the whole world turn against you. And this world is going to try to annihilate you. And they're going to hate the nation of Israel. Do you know the majority of people in this world hate Jews? They do. They hate them. And some of them don't even know why. They don't have a clue. They don't have to have a reason. Why do you have over 50 Arab nations that want to see Israel driven into the sea? It's because they need that land. Look how much land they already have. Now they're taking over all of Africa. Now they're trying to take over Europe. How much more do they want? They want all of it. And here sits little old Israel, totally surrounded. And if God doesn't intervene, Israel has no hope. They have no hope, no way of getting out of this. Uh, Look there in Ezekiel 37. I want you to look in verse 11. Then he said unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Because, see, the whole house of Israel, there was Israel, which was the ten tribes. And then there was Judah, which was the seven, two tribes, Judah and Benjamin. And so in Israel, the capital was in Samaria, and in Judah, which was Judah and Benjamin, it was in Jerusalem. And so that's why when you read some of the Chronicles and the Kings, there was a king in Israel, and there was a king in Judah. And sometimes it seemed like you get all mixed up with all of this. But this was because the nation was divided because of all the shenanigans done by Solomon. Remember Solomon and his thousand wives? All those wise counselors he had, women telling him what to do? Well, those 300 concubines and all those 700 wives, I mean, boy, he had a—he had his hands full. I've been married to one woman for 51 years. Can you imagine 700? So God says, I'm going to split the kingdom, but not in your days. So after he died, yeah, it was split. And God says, in the end time, I'm going to bring them back together. So he says here, And look at this. This is so important in verse 11. Behold, they say, our bones are dried. And get this, our hope is lost. There's coming a time when Israel will say, our hope is lost. They cannot defend themselves. They're worried. They're scared to death. And they're looking for somebody to deliver them from the total annihilation of the Antichrist in the end times. The world is coming after Israel. But one of the biggest blocks to keep them from getting Israel is America. That's why they will work so hard. And if they cannot storm the gates, they're going to infiltrate. And that is being done now. In order to bring down America to where we will not stand behind Israel. God said, I will bless them that bless thee, and I will curse them that curse thee. And that's what we're going to see So he says here in verse 12, Therefore prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I, or all my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. And we have seen people from all over the world. For some reason or other, there's that burning desire. They want to go back to their land. And many of them have gone back to their land. And yes, they have become established as a nation. May the 28th, 1948, Israel was established as a nation. And there have to be a people there in order to make a peace treaty. So all this has to be fulfilled. And isn't it wonderful that it's happening in our lifetime? We're able to see some of these things come into pass that God talked about in his word. He says, I will bring them from all the heathen, from the Gentile nations, and pull them back into their land. But they're not all back in their land. And look what he says in verse 14, and shall put my spirit in you, and ye shall live, and I shall place you in your own land. Remember when he says that I'm going to put my spirit within you in chapter 36? Now in chapter 37, this is when he's talking about this is how he's going to cause them to come together as a people and as a nation that will seek God. And lo and behold, by the time God gets through and he comes back at the end of the tribulation period, and every eye will see him, and Israel will be saved as in a day. So God is going to save nationally his people that are saved individually because they've trusted Christ as their Savior. One of these days, God's going to deliver us from the present evil world because we have individually accepted Christ as our Savior. But he's going to deliver us collectively. We are the bride of Christ. That day is coming. So he makes a statement here, I will put my spirit within you, and I'll place you into your own land. See, God said, I'm, this is what I'm going to do. See, during the tribulation period, when the Antichrist comes on the scene, he, he's a bad man, and he, he lies to the world. He lies to Israel. They signed a peace treaty, and after three and a half years, they break that peace treaty and then turn against Israel. And this is where the beast throws off the woman, and tries to devour her. And the Bible says that they will go into a place, I believe where it's in Jordan, but that's another message for another time. But look in verse 16. He says, Moreover thou son of man, take thee one stick, and write upon it for Judah, for the children of Israel, his companion. Then take another stick, and write upon it for Joseph. And he says, I'm going to take and make these two sticks one. I'm going to take The ten tribes and the southern two tribes, and I'm going to make it all one again. And this is what I'm going to see God's going to do all of this. I got a hunch somewhere down the road they're going to be able to find that they can prove what tribe a man is from by the DNA. Because I know and I believe that only certain ones that are of the tribe of Levi can administer in the temple. And because of that, they've got to know who is and who isn't. And after 2,000 years, you know, people can interbreed and all kinds of stuff. You don't know what's going on. But I bet you they're going to be able to prove which tribe, not just the Israelites, but what tribe they're from. You say, well, that'll never happen. Okay, well, I'll be wrong on that one then. But I want you to see there. In verse 19, he says, thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will take the stick of Joseph, which is the hand of Ephraim, the tribes of Israel, his fellows. And he says in the last part of that verse, And make them one stick, and they shall be one in my hand. Verse 21, And say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I will take the children of Israel from among the heathen, whether they be gone, and bring them into their own land. Remember, this was written all over 500 years before Christ came the first time. So you tell me what other nation has ever had this happen to them where they've been scattered upon the face of the earth and after over 2,000 years they become established as a nation again. There isn't one other nation that's ever had that happen to them. How can you say that the Bible is not true? Anybody with a brain and can read can see this unless they're willingly ignorant of truth. Don't want to know. Mind's made up. But look there in verse 22. And I will make them, get this, one nation in the land upon the mountains of Israel. And one king shall be king to them all. And these shall be no more two nations, neither shall they be divided into two kingdoms any more at all. So this is going past the time of Christ. Because see, they were divided. But this has never happened because Israel has never had another king. You see, when the temple was destroyed, nobody can claim the throne of Israel because they have to prove they're of the line of David of the tribe of Judah. They have to prove all, and they they, they can't prove it. And the last one that could claim the throne of Israel was Jesus Christ, and he was crucified. And he had no offspring. So there is nobody else ever. They can never claim to be the king in Israel unless the one they killed comes back from the dead and shows up again. You know, I bet that's going to happen. I have this feeling. But look what he says here. I'm going to bring them back. And you'll see that in verse 23, I will. The last part of verse 23, I will. And down in verse 24, look what he says. And this shows you that he's talking about in the future. And David, my servant, shall be king over them. Now, he's already been dead 500 years when this was written. But now that was 2,500 years ago when this was written. And it says David is going to come, and David is going to rule in Jerusalem. And get you know what else he says. And they all shall have one shepherd. They shall also walk in my judgment, observe my statutes, and do them. Israel, in the future, one day is going to do everything God wanted them to do. But they have become so rebellious, so God had to chasten them. But they're still his people. And then he makes a statement down here in verse 25. And they shall dwell in the land that I have given unto Jacob my servant, wherein your fathers have dwelt, and they shall dwell therein, even they and their children and their children's children, uh, for how long? Forever, and they'll never be taken out again. You see, there's people that are always trying to claim the land over there in Israel. God says, The earth is mine. This land belongs to me. The cattle on the thousand hill, that's mine. The gold and the silver, it all belongs to God. Because when we leave, it's still here, and it's still his. And he says, I'm giving this land to Israel. And God says, not depart his land. Israel is making a big mistake thinking they can appease their enemies by giving them land. It can't happen. There is no peace. When they talk about peace, they're talking about, I want a piece of this one, a piece of this one, peace with that one. They don't even want a piece of it. They want the whole thing. Now look in verse 26. Moreover, I will make a covenant of peace with them. It shall be an everlasting covenant with them. And I will place them in their land. And this is what I'm going to do. In verse 27, and I will be their God. And then in verse 28, he says, and when my sanctuary shall be in the midst of them forevermore. So God said, this is what I'm going to do. And it's going to last Forever. So, we know that in the days ahead, there's going to be a temple built. It's going to be destroyed again. Bad days ahead for Israel. And this is what God says He's going to do. You see, to get God's people ready to wake up, God's going to get a two before it and hit them on the head with it. Look at the two before He's planning on using. Chapter 38. In verse 2, Son of man, set thy face against Gog. This is the prince of the land of Magog. That's the land. The chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, many believe to be Moscow and Tubal, he said, and prophesy against them. This is a war that has not happened. This is a war that's in the future. See, God tells you what I'm going to do, and then he tells you what he's done, and then he tells you uh, as a, a recap of what he's, he planned and what he did, and it's, it's all there. But God says, because we're hard-headed and stiff-knit, he said, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen before it takes place. So that when it happens, you'll know, I told you so. This is in the future. What you're seeing here in chapter 38 has never taken place. But look at it. He says, this is what I'm going to do. I am going to, in verse 4, and I'm going to turn thee back and put hooks into thy jaws. I will bring thee forth, and all thine army a horses and horsemen. Somebody. I am going to, God said, I'm going to put hooks in your jaws. And I'm going to pull you down here against my people Israel. So that means they've got to be back in the land, which they are now. But see, they're not right. God has to get his people right. And they haven't trusted him yet. So when God gets through taking these nations and using them as a rod to chasing his people, after a while, Israel is going to realize it's God or we're dead. It's either we turn to the Lord or we're dead. And God said, if he does not intervene, no flesh will be left alive.
0: Have you ever heard preachers tell you that you must turn from sins to be saved and go to heaven? Does that mean you must turn from only the big sins or all sins before God will save you? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man
1: So live today and every day believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up.
0: Amazing grace amazes me.